Well, good morning, Frontline family and all of those who have joined us online this morning. We want to welcome you and we trust that today's service is going to bless you. We also want to take a moment just to honor and pay tribute to all our mothers, our grandmothers, our mom-in-laws, our stepmothers, and all those playing some kind of role, a mother figure to someone. We want to honor you today. We want to pay tribute to you. And we want to thank you for the role that you play, not only in your own households, but in society. Mothers are so important. And we want you to know today that we appreciate you and we love you. And I want to just speak a blessing over you this morning that the Lord would just pour out his love on you, that he would increase your capacity, that he would renew your strength, and that he would restore vision to mothers, that we would start to perceive and understand God's destiny, his blueprint, his design, and his desire for each of our households, because each household is different, and that we would perceive what it is that God is wanting to do within our homes and within our families, and that we would partner with the Holy Spirit to be able to lead our children into their destiny. We represent the Holy Spirit and my prayer is that we would do this well. That we would continuously lead our children onto the lap of Abba Father. And that we would teach our children to seek Him above all else. So we speak a blessing over you this morning. And I just pray that God would give you the grace to see your children's potential. That He would give you the wisdom and the tenacity to develop that potential and just give you the anointing to be able to raise giants in the faith so we honor our mothers this morning whatever role you may be playing in someone's life we want to honor you this morning and we just speak God's blessing over you we know that as moms we sacrifice and oftentimes it goes unnoticed but God sees and he's the rewarder so I encourage you to not grow weary in doing good Continue to lead your family into the presence of God and He rewards us in doing so. Church, can we just pray together this morning and just welcome the Holy Spirit into our homes as we do church wherever we are this morning. Let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our homes this morning, wherever we are. We usher in your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that whatever the need is, you will meet them at their place of need, I pray. Father, I ask this morning that as I speak, ears would be open to hear what it is that the Spirit of God is saying. Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. And right now, with the authority of Jesus, I silence every voice of distraction, of deception, and of doubt. And I ask God that your voice would be heard loud and clear. Father, I pray today that this message would convict, it would challenge, and it would transform the lives of those listening. Father, would you anoint my lips today, I pray, to speak only what is on my Father's heart. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Gospel Church. Last week, Pastor Ryan shared a message on the bond-servant relationship. Probably one of the most challenging and important messages that you would hear. And so this morning, I'm going to be referring back quite a bit to what was shared last week. If you haven't listened to the sermon, I suggest you go listen to it on YouTube. And I'm going to be referring back to quite a few things that he mentioned because I feel that we need to really grasp the depth and the importance of this bond-servant relationship that you and I are being called into at this time. And so what we saw last week is that a servant would serve a master for six years and then on the seventh year be released to go. However, if he chose to stay in the master's house, he would enter into a bond-servant relationship, which looked very different to an ordinary servant relationship. What would take place is that this bond-servant had a choice. It was not forced, he was not obligated, but it was... It was a decision he made motivated by love for the master. And he would enter into this relationship and what would take place is he would need to work 365 days of the year, no days off. He did not earn any wages. He was committed to a lifelong relationship with his master. He owned nothing and he needed to relinquish his rights. In return, however, the master would commit to care for this servant for the rest of his life. He could not fire his servant or get rid of him. And everything that the master owned, the servant had access to. The master also provided everything that the servant needed to do the work. And the master would protect the servant with his life. And when the servant chose to stay in the master's house, he would be taken into the home and they would pierce his ear against the doorpost of the home and this would symbolize an ear that was committed and dedicated to the voice of the master a bond servant relationship required a life of obedience to the master's voice and so today i want to look at this issue of obedience and in john chapter 2 you can read it later on there's a story of the wedding in cana and Jesus, along with his mother and his, sir and his disciples, attend this wedding. And at some point through the night, the wine runs out and his mother turns to him and says he needs to do something about this. And it's interesting because at this point, Jesus has not performed any miracles. But his mother sees something in him that nobody else has seen. And I want to say, moms, we have the ability and the gift to be able to see things in our children that no one else has yet seen. And Mary positions and propels Jesus into his ministry. I want to encourage you as a mom today that you too would position your children to walk in their purpose. That you would champion their calling. That we would pray for and encourage and nurture and develop the gifts that God has placed within our children recognizing the fact that we are raising up giants in the faith that will impact society that we will speak and prophesy and declare the word and the purpose of god into our children and so mary propels jesus into his ministry of miracles and she turns to the servants and gives probably the best advice a mother could ever give she says 
Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And so we see this life of obedience. And my question this morning to each one of us is, are we walking in this kind of obedience? Many of us at times would ask the Lord to speak to us. We want to hear, I believe every one of us want to, believe, to hear the voice of the Lord. We want to hear what he's saying. My question is, are we walking in this lifestyle of obedience? Because maybe over a period of time, the Lord has been speaking to you. Maybe it's been things like you need to minister to your neighbor or to a family member or to one of your old school friends. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you around bridling your tongue and, and keeping gossip from your mouth and slander and negative talk. Maybe he's been challenging you on releasing forgiveness to those who have hurt you, letting go of offense. Maybe he's been challenging you to pray more and he even wakes you up in the middle of the night and you turn over and you go back to sleep. And my question is, is that when the Lord speaks, are we walking in this lifestyle of obedience? Is our yes to the Lord our greatest desire? Because a commitment to be a bondservant is not just an intellectual agreement with some biblical principles. It is a commitment to a radical lifestyle of obedience. And we see Jesus in the wilderness and Satan comes to tempt him. The scripture says that Satan says to him, if you bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And really, in essence, what Satan is trying to do is to get Jesus to build his own kingdom independent of the Father. And that is his strategy and his plan in you and my life. You see, he's not too interested if we're necessarily building his kingdom, that's Satan's kingdom. As long as we're building our own kingdom and our own empire independent of God, He's satisfied. And we see that throughout Jesus's ministry, he says, I only do what I see my father do. There's this radical lifestyle of obedience. You see, Jesus relinquished his kingly rights. He gave up heaven and he came to earth and he walks as a bond servant to, the, to God living a life of absolute obedience, saying I'm here for one thing and one thing only, that is to establish my father's kingdom, to do his will. And whatever my father's business is, is now my business. That is the life of Jesus. And Satan tries his utmost to get him to work independent. One of the greatest sins is for us to try and master our own life without God. And as a bond servant, you will be required to relinquish your rights. As long as you believe that you have rights, you will debate and justify your disobedience, your partial obedience, or your delayed obedience. You see, when we understand that everything we have belongs to the master, we realize that we no longer have rights, but we do have responsibility. 
You see, the only time I have rights over something is when I own it. But when I recognize that I own nothing, everything belongs to the master, but I do have responsibility over these things, my attitude and my response is different. If you remember last week, we heard that Abraham sends out his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. And he sends him with camels and gifts. Remember, a bond servant is given everything he needs to do the work. And as bond servants, when God requires something like maybe releasing forgiveness, he gives us exactly what we need. You see, the Holy Spirit equips and empowers and enables us to do the work that he's called us to do. And so Abraham sends out his servant, fully trusting him with his possessions. But you see, the servant has no rights over these camels and these gifts, but he does have responsibility for them. And you and I have been given a responsibility over our finances, our children, our spouses, homes, businesses, ministry, callings, gifts and talents. They're not ours. We purely have responsibility over them. And when we see it like this, we start to approach God with an open hand so that when God makes a request from me, I don't debate my rights versus His request. I simply walk out in obedience. And this week in preparation for this message, God started to challenge me. As he always does, he first deals with us before we bring the word because he needs to know that we're able to walk this thing out before we preach it. And I'm not saying that we've perfected it, but we're certainly on a journey of God doing his work in us too. And so this week, the Holy Spirit posed the question. And this was the question. If God asked me to pack up and leave my family and my home, my church, my friends, my comforts, and go to a foreign land to do his work, would I say yes? Would I potentially debate that my children need to be here to get a good education? Would I debate that, you know, we've worked really hard for our home and we've We've developed a life for ourselves here. You know, friends like this are hard to find. Having clo family close by is really important. And, and have we sort of built a life for ourselves where I feel it is my right to stay where I am? You know, what is it that is standing between me and my saying yes to God? Or maybe there's some of you that have said, well, I want to pack up. And I want to leave and I feel I have a right to give my children a future of safety and security in a country that looks after you when you're older. And so I'm going to pack up and go and maybe God has said to you, but that's not my plan for you. My plan is for you to be here. There's purpose for you here. Are we willing to relinquish our rights in order to walk in obedience to the master's voice? And I know that these are maybe extreme questions or examples, but why not? Why wouldn't God request certain things of us? 
the Holy Spirit then posed another question to me saying, well, Renal, if you had only a thousand rand left in your account and I asked you to give it to someone, would you say yes? And I guess for most of us, if the Lord had to ask us to give to someone in a dire need, worse off than we are, we probably would say yes because we would feel like a good Samaritan, right? We would feel like we're doing a good deed and we all want to feel like we're making a difference. Then the Lord said to me, and if I asked you to give it to someone that was really wealthy, what would your response be? And then I started to deal with these issues of my heart saying, well, would I debate this and say, well, God, you know what? I'm in more need of this money than they are. They probably won't even appreciate it. I've worked hard for this money. I deserve to keep it. My family need it. And once again, we find ourselves debating God's request versus our rights. But as a bond servant, you're going to be required to relinquish your rights. And we need to maintain our responsibilities, but relinquish our rights in order to receive the reward of a bond servant relationship. So what is it that is standing between you and your saying yes to the Lord? Romans 12 verse 1 says that we are to present our bodies, that is all of us, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. And my concern is, is that over the years, the church has preached that the gospel is free. Salvation is free. Christ was the ultimate sacrifice and he paid the ultimate price and therefore we don't need to. But Jesus clearly states in Matthew, that if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and you have to pick up your cross and follow me. You see, it's a life of dedication, of surrender, of sacrifice, of commitment, of dying to self. And perhaps the church has started to treat the gospel cheaply because it's costing us nothing. Can I say that again? Perhaps the church has started to treat the gospel cheaply because it is costing us nothing. And this morning I want to have a look at the life of Solomon because he is a perfect example of someone who understood the necessity of sacrifice. In 2 Chronicles, and you can read this, um, but Solomon is the king of Israel. And he is in the process of building a temple that he says he purposes to build a temple for the name of the Lord and to dedicate it to God. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, it gives an account that Solomon goes up to the tabernacle of Moses because his temple is not yet complete. And his purpose for going up to the tabernacle was to offer up sacrifices. Now, in the Old Testament, there were numerous kinds of sacrifices, one being the sin offering, which was the atonement for the sin. Another one being the burnt offering, which is what I want to focus on this morning. The burnt offering was one that was used in a dedication of your life to God, a complete surrender, giving of yourself completely to God. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, it says, 
Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered up, listen, 1,000 burnt offerings on it. He goes up and he offers a thousand burnt offerings, representing a life dedicated to God. You see, this would have taken a couple of weeks because you don't just sacrifice a thousand animals at once. He would take one animal, he would clean and prepare and then sacrifice and take the next animal and clean and prepare and sacrifice. And Solomon is 17 years old at this stage, 17 and he recognizes the need for sacrifice. He understands that he needs the glory and the presence of God in his life. And he understands how to get it through sacrifice. In verse 7, it says, After now they've completed all these sacrifices, everything is done. It says, On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said, Ask, what shall I give you? In other words, God is saying to him, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. See, God had searched the heart of Solomon. He understood that Solomon was completely devoted and dedicated to him. He knew that he could trust him with whatever request he made because Solomon was fully committed to the work of, his, of God. Solomon responds and he says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may judge and rule and lead your people not my people your people he says give me wisdom and knowledge to fulfill the calling remember the bond servant owns nothing but has access to everything the master owns and the master gives him whatever he needs to do the work so Solomon says this is what I need to fulfill the calling. Solomon does not ask for things to build his own empire and his own kingdom, but that what he needs to build the kingdom of God. And I want to pause here for a moment and speak to our youth. Those of you who are around this age, the tender age of 17, Solomon is king. And a couple of weeks back, I shared that I really believe God is, has called our youth and He's positioning them for something significant in the season. But let me say to you, it's going to require sacrifice. The glory of God does not just fall on lukewarm, casual, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. He's looking for men and women who are completely devoted and dedicated to Him. When everyone else is out, you're alone with the Lord. You're seeking His face. You're praying. You're fasting. You're sacrificing the pleasures of the world in order to access the presence, the power and the glory of God in your life. Recognizing the need for God's glory and presence in order to fulfill the calling. And I ask this question to everyone listening this morning. If God had to say to you, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. What would our response be? Would it be a better car, 
a bigger house, a better job, more money? What is it that we would ask of God? Can He fully trust us with our requests? Does He know that we are fully committed to doing the Father's business, building His kingdom and not our own, recognizing that nothing that we have actually belongs to us? But He's willing to give us whatever it is that we need to do the work. Would He trust us with our request. You see, James says that you ask and you do not receive because your motives are wrong. Because when you receive these things, you're going to use them for your own pleasure and your own benefit. But Solomon had a depth of commitment of giving himself totally to God that prompted a response from God. You see, when we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord and dedicate it to God. In chapter 4 of 2 Chronicles, it describes this bronze altar that he builds in the temple. And I want you to listen to the size of this altar. It says that it is 10 meters by 10 meters by 5 meters high. Say that again, 10 meters by 10 meters by 5 meters high this is just the surface level of this bronze altar built for sacrifices they needed to get a ramp in order to get the the oxen and the sheep up onto the top of this altar but Solomon understands the necessity of sacrifice he understands that when you give yourself to God the return is far greater you get him and so scripture tells us that he completes this temple. And in 2 Chronicles 5 verse 6, it says, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Now remember, previous scripture tells us that he went up to the tabernacle of Moses and he took a thousand sacrifices. Here they say that there was more than that because they could not be counted because of multitude. Last week we heard about the different levels of commitment and the different sacrifices. There was the dove, which wasn't that valuable. Then there was the sheep, which was more, and then the bull or the oxen, which was the most. In this scripture, there's no mention of a small sacrifice, a dove. It talks about sheep and oxen. Those that carried so much value to Solomon. And he brings them in the multitude, recognizing the need of a life fully dedicated and committed to God. Now, it does not say how long this process took. But smoke would have been going up for weeks and weeks and weeks as they went through this process of sacrificing the burnt offerings. I want to read for you in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, 
for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. How I long for that day when the glory of God comes in so heavy that we cannot stand, where we literally just get out of the way and let God do what He does best. And oftentimes we quote the scripture making reference to unity and to praise and worship. That is one aspect of the scripture. But sacrifice preceded glory. Praise and worship on its own is not enough. It was sacrifice without number. In multitude it was the sacrifice. And Solomon is a perfect example of one work walking as a bondservant, giving himself completely to God, accessing everything that the master has, building the kingdom of God and not his own. And he commits this temple to God through sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And so they would do things in a man-made temple. Well, right now we are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? You see, to the degree that we give ourselves to God is the degree to which He will fill us. And so this morning I ask a question. What is the size of your bronze altar? What is the size of your bronze altar? And I want to say again, Jesus dealt with the sin offering. He paid the price. You know, for the atonement of sin, He shed His blood. He reconciled man back to God. We cannot add a single thing to this finished work that Christ did at the cross. It's done. Salvation is free. But Jesus said in the New Testament, pick up your cross and follow me. That we would lay our lives down for Him. And so the burnt offering is still significant and relevant to you and me today. It's interesting in Leviticus chapter 6, 8 to 13, it gives the law of the burnt offering. And I just want to read verse 13. It says, And a fire shall always be burning on the altar. That is the altar for the burnt offering, representing a life that is dedicated to God. It says, It will always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. In other words, this fire... And this sacrifice, the burnt offering, is to go day and night. The sacrifice of self is not a once-off sacrifice. It's a continual day and night giving of ourselves to God, saying, God, not my will, but yours. Not my way, but yours. Not my desires, but yours. Not my kingdom, but yours. As long as there was sacrifice, there was fire. And it was God's intention that this fire would not go out. 
that the fire that was poured out at Pentecost would continue to burn. That there would be evidence of the power of God walking in signs, wonders and miracles. And that the glory of God would fill this temple, you and I. Could it be, church, that we have lost the fire of God in our lives and in the church because there are no longer sacrifices, lives laid down, dedicated to God? I often read the book of Acts and I'm astounded at the way these apostles walked in signs, wonders and miracles with the fire of God, the power of God, the authority of God. And I look at the church today and I wonder why we don't see the same happening. But if you continue to read through the New Testament, these apostles of Paul and Jude and James and Peter and John all refer to themselves as bondservants. They had given themselves completely to God, relinquished their rights, got busy building His kingdom, realizing that everything the Father has, they have access to. And whatever they needed to do, whatever Christ had called them to do, they were empowered to do it. He gave them what they needed. And so the question is, have we lost the fire of God because we no longer see lives laid out before God, dedicated, committed and surrendered before Him? Pentecost is coming in 21 days. And we have this expectation of God doing something on the earth. Worldwide, prophets are sharing around this expectation. God is wanting to do something. He wants to pour out His authority and His power and His glory and His fire on the earth. There's this expectation. And I believe God is saying to you and me today, you provide the sacrifice and I'll provide the fire. A.W. Tozer said, the glory of God always comes at the sacrifice of self. And so we as a church are calling for a 21 day fast. And we're not too concerned around how you fast or what you fast. For us, the emphasis and the importance right now is that we would find ourselves pressing into the presence of God like our lives depend on it. That we would you know, give ourselves completely to God. Ask the Spirit of God to, to search us and show us things that are hindering us from walking in this radical lifestyle of obedience. Areas that we still hold on to our rights with a clenched fist that stands between me and my saying yes to God. What is it that stands in the way? Where God can strip us of things of this world where He can strip us of the masters that we have put, where He's no longer the master. He's no longer the voice that we hear. Where He starts to expose and reveal these things to us. So that over the next 21 days, as we press into the presence of God, and as we start asking God to show us these things, that we would start to walk in this bond-servant relationship. Remember the bond-servant hearing? You see, when God pours out His Spirit on the earth, He's looking for those that He can trust that will be responsible with what He gives. Not those that will use it for their own fame and their own glory and to build their own kingdom, 
those that will be submitted and surrendered to the king willing to do whatever he asks of us a bond servant hearing to respond to the master's voice and to walk in radical obedience to what he's asking of us and so in closing this morning church i want to share something that i experienced this last week during my my prayer time and preparation for this message i had a, an image of <clears throat> altars that had been built on the earth and i think i just want to clarify this this morning i i know that the religious guys are going to say well we're not under the old testament law we're under grace and we're living in the new testament and i get that but like i said earlier christ himself said in the new testament that we are to give ourselves as living sacrifices he said deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me so there is a need for sacrifice and so I see these altars on the earth and these altars represented individuals who had completely given their lives over to God, submitted to the will of God, those walking in this bond servant relationship. And in the heavenlies, I saw these jars of liquid fire and this liquid fire, these jars started to be tilted over and this liquid fire started to pour over these altars and as they went onto these altars i saw a fire ignited and burn where these altars lay and i saw people running to the heat and the power and the light of the fire drawing people in and i sensed the lord saying to me as i saw one jar allocated per altar I sense the Lord saying to me that this is a very specific release of his power and of his authority and of his fire it is not just a blanket approach it's specifically to those who have pressed in who are walking in a bond servant relationship who are living lives of sacrifice fully dedicated and committed to the father because he's wanting to know that he can trust us with what he's about to pour out. And so I urge you this morning, church, I encourage you this morning to go into your prayer closets, make time in the next 21 days that you would position yourselves and you will deal with whatever needs to be dealt with in your life, that you can walk in a bond servant relationship with the Lord so that we may be these living sacrifices that he can pour out his power and his spirit on. And I encourage you to, to take this time serious, fast, pray, press into the presence of God. Can we pray together? So Father, this morning, I want to thank you that you are calling each of us into this bond servant relationship. God, what a privilege and an honor it is that you even give us this option. You give us this choice, God. And I thank you, Father, that you're calling us into deeper levels of intimacy with you. Father, this trusting relationship between you and us. And so, Lord, I ask for grace in the next 21 days, grace over your people. Father, that we would walk and position ourselves and ready ourselves for what you're wanting to do. That we would find ourselves walking in this bond-servant relationship, laying everything down for our master.
God, I commit all those listening this morning. Let this word take root, Lord. Let it challenge us. Let it convict us. Let it change us, I pray. And Lord, may we be vessels in the Master's hand, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you.